Watch my face as I pretend to feel no pain, pain, pain. Clouds are sulfur in the air, bombs are falling everywhere. It's heartbreak warfare. Once you want it to begin, no one really ever wins. It's heartbreak warfare. If you want more love, why don't you say so? If you want Heartbreak warfare. This warfare is breaking a lot of hearts and not in the way of, oh, you know, crushing, but in the way of how is this even happening? Why is this even happening? And it's all part of it. That's the way it is. See, you had an idea of what the world was like and you look back into that idea of what the world was like at a point that you felt content. Not happy, not sad, but content. And then you realize that content feeling gives you a feeling of serenity and indifference, but comfortable. And then you see that it never existed. And you realize that moment of content, that moment of happiness, sadness, all of it was in an environment that never really existed. And it is quite sad. And it makes you realize that you don't have any idea where you stand. You don't have any idea about yesterday or tomorrow. But what you don't realize is that yesterday and tomorrow 
are formulated right now at this moment. Now, there is a lot going on. Everyone's up, you know, going insane about Elon Musk offering to buy Twitter. And I even said one day, maybe we should all raise funds and buy the New York Times. (laughs) But hey, that would have been easier because they're in a lot of debt. Nobody cares about Twitter. Really, we don't. The algorithms are owned by the government, so we can actually replicate it. Facts. Super facts. So today, I think before we get into like the juice of what the hue of color is, we have to dispel things that are being said or thought to be said. I'm seeing a lot of movement on social media of, you know, hate and, and, oh, and this. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> I, today I've been so busy. I haven't even taken uh, a step back. I mean, I was cooking. I guess it was dinner or was it lunch? I don't even remember what time it was. And this is why I'm late I, because I was on the phone constantly because now it's crunch time. Now, you know, um, I have a lot on my plate. I have, the lawsuits are coming down. I have a lot of things to do. But on the other hand, because I was right, I have even more work to do. I'll take you back to August of 2020. In August of 2020, Millie Weaver released Shadowgate. And then was arrested and then released on overinflated stupid charges through a secret grand jury. And um, immediately afterwards, this character, Scammy Davis Jr., who I had watched before, because for some reason, he was constantly in the circles of politicians and judges, right? I had seen him before. And he seemed like your typical prostitute of the circles. But he was more. He was an asset. A lot of people that just happened to appear were assets. You know, for example, today I was having a conversation with someone as we were running down. And I was like, well, that person has contracted with the agency before. And and I would say it would be the FBI more than anything. He used to work for Zinke. His name is Jason Funes. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's weird. Because, so all these lists come out, you know, like you get stopped, stopped at a traffic stop with like two kgs of marijuana in your car and you have no charges. Yeah, that screams fed. Hello? Like, it's not rocket science. You're arrested in the Bundy debacle, right? You're an asset. You're arrested for, you know, whatever fraud or whatever, and you go to jail. You are then an asset, and this is how you get away with things, right? These are the way, and, and this is a constant theme. And so, you know, as you watch it, it goes forward. Now, I had a very serious conversation um, with someone today about, you know, uh, Patrick Berge. And I said, look, you know, as much as I would like to say that he's working for the other side, right? He's just about himself, He doesn't care about anyone else. He pretends that he cares about the truth. He really doesn't. It's just about money for him. Okay. I've got tons and tons of text messages and emails that prove that. 
I have tons and tons of calls that I'm sure the feds have too, <laughs> where he's begging me to go do shows with him so he can make money. Oh, they're going to offer us. I don't need it. I don't want it. But we, again, it's all self-centered and hearsay just to keep the person relevant. So I know no matter how much someone would want to, you know, say Patrick Berge's an asset. No, he's just a used car salesman. And all he's selling right now is a book and that he was right and everyone else is wrong and he knows everything. And most of the stuff he's talking about is BS because I actually went through it with someone because they were seriously thinking that he's working with the other side. And I had to come to his defense. You know, I had to come to his defense today. And I was so upset that I had to come to his defense with very serious people. I had to come to his defense. And I was like, I hate to say this, but, you know, it's just this. I really had to come to his defense. And I didn't like it because I didn't want to. I wanted him to get what he dishes, but whatever. And then it comes to other people like (laughs) people that are on, you know, Social media pretending to be important. You know, they all have like secret sources and it's like you do. But as we were looking at it, we were looking at communications that these people send to feel relevant. And one common factor that I saw was whenever they were asked about Ali Akbar, the first thing they thought um, when they were, you know, they were like, well, we have this actual evidence and this, this, this. Um, What do you think about this? So there was like a video of Akbar saying, well, I told Sidney Powell not to take Tory's affidavit and put it in Georgia. And what do you think he said? Oh, they're just beefers. And it's like, no. Let me get something straight and let me say it straight. As you guys know, I loathe Patrick Berge only because he attacked my child. The same child that he tried to use to make money to sue Alex Jones, right? The same child that saw him as almost a fatherly figure in my life and, you know, betray her, right? That person. (laughs) I have beef with that person. Thali Akbar really don't care. It was like a little tryst. He was talking smack. I mean, who cares about that inbred? But what alerted me, if you guys remember, was that in August, as he was getting so obsessed and then asking people to donate money as he was talking shit about me, I saw that he had a stream of orange stuff, which I also mentioned before he attacked Millie. And it reminded me of operations that we had done before. And so... At that point, we were all talking about the color revolution. I mean, it's on ToriSaid.com and how it's the same and how this and how that and how it is literally how everyone started to have orange squares on Twitter and doing all that stuff. And I was like, damn, it's the same thing. And the more I see it, I'm like, damn, people are that low that they would think that I would just say stuff about inbred scammy because I don't like him. Uh, That's not true. Again, with every ounce of my body, I loathe Patrick Berge. He is the lowest of the lowest lives. And I came to his defense today. Okay. Because that is what is fair. Right. That is uh, being objective. Right. So right now, why would anyone think that me talking about, um, uh, Scammy Davis Jr. was about me beefing with him. That's insane. But see, 
That's how pedestrian people think. That's how losers think. That's how people that can't compartmentalize and be fair think. See, yeah, he's scammy. He's disgusting. He's, you know, he likes little boys. You know, he sleeps around with politicians. I mean, I, you know, all of that. But he actually, as I kept saying, he's the one that's going to tie the noose around President Trump's neck. And for some reason, people are like, oh, he's complying with a grand jury subpoena. What does grand jury mean to you? What is a grand jury subpoena? Grand jury subpoena is not, you know, (laughs) something that they just look around. That's when you're going to jail. Someone's going to jail. Someone is going to jail. And you know that someone is not the, the... Tea party ladies that uh, had the women for America first. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not going to be some, you know, uh, random person, you know, and are they going to go for what? Roger Stone. Tell me, give me some names. What do you think they're going to do? They're obviously going for a prayer. What are you going to do when they go and try to arrest him? See, I said this a very long time ago. And now when he's complying with the grand jury subpoena, you have to think if the media leaked it, they did it on purpose, right? They did it on purpose. Why would the media leak a grand jury subpoena? Because, you know, it's not any media, right? Right? It's not any media, right? So you have to understand a grand jury subpoena isn't, uh, you know, something to, to laugh about. Oh, I'm just, I don't have any evidence that you're a liar because see, we, the people have collected enough evidence to show that the testimony that he provided, right. Was perjured. Like he perjured himself. This means that he cut himself a deal. So he doesn't go to jail. He sits there and he talks about things, but he forgets. I know exactly who he was talking to on the day when he was on that spot with Alex Jones, and I transcribed it and showed it to you on video. Well, I didn't. My right-hand man did. He transcribed the whole thing in writing for you where he said, oh, they just said that President Trump is going to come in March. And I also told you that when I left, I left right after Ali Akbar. Why? I wanted to see the direction he went. And two, I needed to see what was going on in the direction that people weren't going. Now, I used the excuse. It went the long way, too. And I had stepped on an ornament. And guess who I took with me? Patrick Berge, who is limping, who's grumpy, who's everything, right? And I went the long way. I made sure every single camera saw my face so that I don't get set up with anything. And I went through two barricades and I had Patrick Berge next to me walking through each and every one of them. And so the first one, they said they were waiting for BLM or Antifa, right? And then the second one, which was right by the hotel, which was barricaded, and they say, you can't enter. I ignored it. And I was like, Patrick, we'll just use your service-connected injury and tell them the hotel's right there. And I flashed the key halfway and they allowed me. But I asked questions. And there was a Capitol Police truck with a bunch of people in there jumping out. And I said, why are you guys getting out? What's going on? Trump is going to march to the Capitol. So I'm thinking, who started that rumor? Because <laughs> I know the organizers didn't organize a march. And I know that Ali Akbar was talking with Caroline Wren at the White House. 
And so he was the one that was repeating that. It was on his social media. It was on all of them. Do you see? This is how you execute a setup. And it makes sense. Because for whatever reason, he's trying to throw people's that he stole their event. Look, Amy Kremer and Kylie Kremer created the Women for America First event to J6. Yet for some crazy ass reason, Ali Akbar had blocked out Mike Lindell, who had paid for the jumbotrons so that his scammy ass could sit in the front. And you know what he was tweeting? I'm going to sit in the front because President Trump's going to tell me to stand up and he's going to tell me congratulations. You see? The thing is, he wanted to make himself connected to Trump. That is how you tie a noose around someone's neck's proximity. And the proximity is not just that. You heard Ali Akbar talk smack. Mo Brooks is such a bad guy. Mo Brooks is such a piece of shit. Mo Brooks this. But as you saw at the beginning of this video, he says that he organized J6 with Mo Brooks. Or did you miss it? Maybe I should play that for you so you can see it because it's quite important to remember facts. I was the person who came up with the January 6th idea with Congressman Gosar, Congressman Mo Brooks, and then Congressman Andy Biggs. We four schemed up of putting maximum pressure on Congress while they were voting so that who we couldn't lobby, we could change the hearts and the minds of Republicans who were in that body hearing our loud war from outside. Oh, dear. Uh, what does that sound like? Kind of sounds. Huh? Didn't he throw Mo Brooks under the bus? Our loud war from outside? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. By the way, guys, I just want to say, if you're hearing me snap, I have rubber bands. I'm trying to get out of my mouth. It's just disgusting. I just wanted to make that clear if I'm sounding a little funny today. So let's just hear that again. Listen to his words. And they're on the screen too, right? And tell me what you hear. And look at the names. I was the person who came up with the January 6th idea with Congressman Gosar, Congressman Mo Brooks, and then Congressman Andy Biggs. We four schemed up of putting maximum pressure on Congress while they were voting so that who we couldn't lobby, we could change the hearts and the minds of Republicans who were in that body hearing our loud war from outside. The loud war from outside. Mo Brooks, the one that he was like, he's crappy. He's terrible. He's this. I knew it. But yet he's talking about doing things with Mo Brooks. That's so weird. But then... I'll take it back to this. And I had this conversation before. Um, and, I, and, I, and I believe that I had this conversation on Twitter. And unfortunately, I don't have my Twitter uh, to, to bring it up. <laughs> right? But there was a conversation that I had on asking questions after he attacked Millie. And hence why then he turned to me. Um, in regards to his interactions with... Um, people that were attacking the president. Do you guys remember those insane um, Krasenstein brothers? Mm? Do you guys remember that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. As you can see, uh, you're seeing a lot of people in the movement of the crypto 
right movement. And Ollie's obviously sweating the balls off of Elon. Maybe he can throw him a Bitcoin or something, right? Which is weird because he's got a lot of crypto. Unless he gave it to someone else or else he's hiding it. Right? You know how that works. Because he even said himself that he had millions in, in crypto coin. And he worked with the Crassocene brothers. They actually had this crypto channel and they would talk and he would talk with his boyfriend, Daniel Bostic, on there. Very interesting. Because the one thing that, um, you know, I always do is follow the money. And that money came. Do you remember when uh, the videos that um, Millie put out that um, the coworker had, you know, screened and put out there? Well, in there, in those calls, they had like a lot of links and they were talking and everything. And in one of those, as I caught it, I went and it was the only time, guys, the only damn time that it was, it caught me with my pants down because I thought it was a signal chat only, but it turned out that they were live on a, um, on a Zoom call at that point. And I was trying to get record, but they disable it. You have to like start it from before when you start it so you can trick it and do stuff, right? So it was really messed up, but I was able to copy a wallet address. And this was coming from the Keystone. Ha! Uh, uh, because everyone thinks they know what that means. So there's one place that I found where money comes from. And it's a lot. It was a big fund of George Soros. And um, I'm putting it together to provide it to attorneys um, these past couple weeks. I have a few gaps, but it ties in some really big names. But the Bitcoin wallet came from that place and it led to five other wallets. But one of the terminating wallets was Ali Akbar's. And that's where it gets really interesting. So money is a big deal. A lot, big deal. And I feel like a lot of people are covering for a lot of people because they have been dragged into it accidentally. Because in irregular warfare, there are irregular strategies. And sometimes you align yourself with people, not because they're good, but because they're not. And this way, you can align closely with them and see things. Like Cindy Schaefen, for example, she had in November provided the first Praetorians to be security for the Women for America First. The weird thing is, is that when I met her and she introduced herself, her husband supposedly ran the first Praetorians, and therefore that's why they didn't pay for security. It's really weird. It's very weird that it all had all started from the beginning.
It wasn't something simple. It wasn't um, something spur of the moment, like taking over the event like she did on the 28th of December when she created this 80% coalition and her husband ran the first Praetorians. But for some reason, everyone's like, no, no. And it's like, yeah, you said it. <laughs> like you totally said it. Um, it's weird, right? How well planned this was. We're going to do this on the 28th. We're going to change it. We're going to steal their permits. We're going to do this. Remember, Ali Akbar bullied himself to the front row, blocking out Mike Lindell, who actually paid for President Trump's jumbotrons and everything. That's who Ali Akbar is. Now, is he some mastermind? Not really. He's just evil. And he's thirsty to be important because he has nothing to offer. And he was the easiest person that they could boost up, right? Because he says shit like that. But listen to what he says here. Here's Andy Biggs. The head of the House Freedom Caucus, Republican Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, helped plan the January 6th event that culminated in a storming of the Capitol. That's according to Ali Alexander, a lead organizer of the gathering. Alexander, a pro-Trump personality, was an early founder of the Stop the Steal movement. We gotta save the Republic, right? He helped bring together various right-wing factions around a mass event on January 6th. It was aimed to coincide with objections to the counting of the Electoral College. Alexander made his claim in three separate live streams in late December, adding that representatives Paul Gosar of Arizona and Mo Brooks of Alabama were also involved. I was the person who came up with the January 6th idea. And I'm the guy who came up with the idea of January 6th when I was talking with Congressman Gosar, Congressman Andy Biggs, and Congressman Mo Brooks. So we're working with members of Congress while other people are trying to showboat. Uh, we're really working hard because, look, I believe that the president should do something brave. I think that the vice president should do something brave. I believe that that's how we maintain the White House. And I believe that we need to maintain the White House. I think it's a moral imperative. His claim is buttressed by another video from a December 19th rally at the Arizona State Capitol, at which Alexander played a video that Biggs had supplied. Congressman Gosar has been the spirit animal of this movement. One of the other heroes has been Congressman Andy Biggs. Uh, Congressman Andy Biggs sent us a video. Congressman Andy Biggs here. I wish I could be with you today. I pledge to you that I'm going to keep fighting for President Trump. And when it comes to January 6th, I'll be right down there in the well of the House with my friend from Alabama, Mo Brooks. In the video, Biggs mentions Brooks as his ally in the fight. Gosar spoke in person at the event. Freedom isn't cheap, folks. Freedom isn't cheap. But you know what? Imagine this. That you get a sit go back home once we conquer the hill. Donald Trump has returned to being president. And amazing things will happen in four more years. Biggs' connection to Alexander was reported on Sunday by the Arizona Republic, which quoted his spokesperson, Daniel Stefensky. Congressman Biggs is not aware of hearing of or meeting Mr. Alexander at any point, let alone working with him to organize some part of a planned protest, Stefanski said. He did not have any contact with protesters or rioters, nor did he ever encourage or foster the rally or protests. 
When asked why Biggs would record a video for someone he doesn't know, Stefanski told The Intercept, Representative Gosar's team asked for the video, and he provided it. That day, Trump posted to his since-suspended Twitter account, Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. Will be wild. On the day of the riot, Gosar used his official Twitter account to call for peaceful protests, urging Trump supporters not to get carried away so no one gets hurt, while spreading an entirely different message on Parler, a right-wing alternative social media platform created in opposition to Twitter. Americans are upset, he wrote, sharing a photo of the rioters climbing the Capitol walls. Brooks, after the event, sought to legitimize political violence in a radio interview. In a republic, your principal form of redress of political grievances is at the ballot box. What are your options if you no longer have faith that the ballot box is a way to address grievances because it is no longer honest or accurate. Neither Goss nor Brooks responded immediately to inquiries from The Intercept. Alexander did not respond to a text or phone call. His voicemail was full, and he has told the Daily Beast that he's gone underground. As the mob broke into the Capitol, Gosar was in the middle of his speech objecting to the certification of Arizona's electoral college votes. Once the Capitol was cleared and members of Congress returned, Gosar continued to object as blood dried on the marble floors just steps away. So those are some of the videos of him saying that he was part of it. Some of them. Some. And he will throw anyone and everyone under the bus. But I can tell you, I can actually say it because it's been around, right? There was actually leaked, but you, you know how... Ali Akbar said that he was having this team like videotape him because, um, you know, he wants to make a documentary of how amazing his movement is and what amazing things he did. Well, when you're on TV or on camera for a long time and you have people following you around, sometimes you forget you're on camera. And it turns out there's actually video of Roger Stone saying that, you know, while they were following them around and stuff, then, you know, nothing will happen unless, uh, you know, if he doesn't want President Trump to be president, he's not going to be president. Hmm? And that's on camera. That was actually subpoenaed. And see... This is why all of us are going to get involved to do something. Like when you're in the middle of a problem, right? Math problem. Let's go math where it's simple. And you can't seem to solve the equation, right? What do you do? You start at the beginning. So what I'm thinking is what we need to do is start at the beginning together. And that is exactly what we're going to do. And the beginning is 2019. See, all of these things were planned. The money, the organization, there were many fronts that were used, one to cover another, one to complement another, and one to distract from another. 
And this is how they got it done. So we will take it from the beginning. And I'll have that unfold uh, starting next week. Now, I wanted to show you what um, CNN wants us to know today for the news, of course, because, you know, they're the source of the news and they're going to tell us what's really important today and how kind of looks like we already knew this was coming. Now, you tell me how you feel when you see this report. President Zelensky uh, at the presidential palace. palace. Uh, We had a very far uh, far and wide uh, ranging interview uh, about many topics. One of the things uh, that he addressed in English, most of uh, his remarks were in Ukrainian, which obviously we will translate, uh, but... Some of the one of the things he said in English had to do with what the CIA director uh, just said yesterday, which was that the United States is on the lookout for any possible use born out of desperation by Putin uh, of tactical or low yield nuclear weapons. So here is what President Zelensky had to say to that. The director of the CIA warned that he's worried Putin might use a tactical nuclear weapon in this fight. Are you worried? Not only me. I think we, all, all, all of the world, all the countries have to be worried because you, you know that it can be not real information, but it, but it can be true, true because when they begin to speak about uh, one or another battles or uh, involves uh, enemies or nuclear weapons or chemi- some chemical, you know, issues, chemical weapons. They should do it. They could do it. I mean, so they, they can. They, for, for them, life of the people is nothing. That's why we should think, not, not, uh, not be afraid. I mean, that not be afraid, be ready. But uh, but that is not the question for to Ukraine, and not only for the Ukraine, for all the uh, for all the world. I think so. The Moskva, the one that Ukrainian soldiers told to f off, um, sank. Um, the Russians say, and the Russians are liars, but the Russians say it sank on its own. Can you offer some clarity and evidence as to what happened? Hold on. So let's take this first part of the interview. We're talking nukes. Again, I urge any of you that have not seen the episode on the Marshall Islands to revisit it. I gave you a crash course on how over years the United States took a nation of people and nuked the crap out of them. And they didn't nuke them, you know, to nuke the people. They evacuated them, of course, after they saw how sick they would get first. But they nuke them on the ground, nuke them in the water, nuke them just above, you know, below ionosphere, stratosphere. They wanted to see what effects that would have. Oh, and while they were doing that, they had our own soldiers flying that didn't know that a nuke was coming. So then they would see how would the nuclear blast in the air affect our soldiers? How would it affect a Navy ship full of people? How far does it go? What's the radius? So how many tons did we use this this amount of force? Great. And that got up to that ship. They didn't get sick. Only those did. Some people got a little bit 
bit sunburned from the light. Um, but radiation weared off. It was quite low. Remember, see, they tested it over decades on one island of people. And then they saw how long did it take for the vegetation? What did we do? How did we do it? What kind of cleanup did we need? How did the radios respond? How did the satellites respond? How did the TVs respond? Everything. And the reason I did that was to educate you. I'm not here to just opine, right? I'm here to draw the history to today because history and the future is written at the same time, in the present, they all coexist. So as you can see from history, you can see how it's applicable here. And this is it. And they've done it in such a masterful way. Mesmerize the public with complete and utter bullshit. Here's, you know, on the second segment of how Russia's liars, wasn't he one of them that said that under Biden's laptop was Russian disinfo? Uh, wasn't he the one that huh, knew for a fact that huh, Russia dossier was correct? Yet all of you know that that's not true. All of you know we have evidence that it's different. Let me show you some of that evidence. Hold on a second. Let me pull some of that because I was pulling it for someone and they were like, well, we've never seen that. And I'm like, dang, that's part of the documentary, which by the way is really weird. Someone from some media company is trying to put an enjoy the show thing on. I love it when people try to compete. You can't compete when you're not on the same how would I say apples, oranges, right? Potatoes, radishes, stuff like that. Let's see. Um, so let's see. I'm trying to put up the video. Let's see. Um, there we go. Let me get that down. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this video because it's important, and I think I've showed it to you again. But this is where you see just who the people are, and don't forget. Some of these people still in office. And you're like, how is that even possible? They were talking about the Russia hoax. They were colluding about how to do it. They were talking with Christopher Steele. And yet, they're still in office. Like, how does that even happen? Is this for real? Is this happening? This is how things go. It's just, they go. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, it is what it is. No, it isn't. We shouldn't be settling with things like that. That is not the way our country works. I don't understand why people are okay with that. Should never be okay with um, shenanigans. Should I say shenanigans? Shenanigans sounds good, right? Shenanigans sounds good. I'm, just, I'm trying to pull this up. Is this it? Missed it. Because I, I have so many files here. There it is. Boom. I think I showed this to you. Um, actually, it was in, boom, I want to say it's January, but I may be wrong. Um, I have to say it, probably January. Wow. Right. So let's see. Is this up? It's processing. Because I want to show it to you full video, full audio, so you can enjoy it again. And it's been done so well. Um, that we have a senator sitting in office that knew all this. We have evidence of this. They know this, and this is still happening. And we have clowns like, you know, Jake Tapp. Russians are just liars. And well, you know what? Actually, while that process is, look what he says. Happened to that ship. 
Ну, ми знаємо, що його... We know that it does not exist anymore. For us, it is a strong weapon against our country. So its sinking is not a tragedy for us. I want you, the rest of the people, to realize that. The less weapons the Russian Federation that attacked our country has, the better for us, the less capable they are. This is important. And about what happened to it, the history will tell. Do you have any idea how many Ukrainian soldiers or Ukrainian civilians have been killed? So are they talking about the Moshkakata, right? You know, that's a very old ship, actually. I think I was learning about missiles that I owned back in the 90s. Hold on. Capable they are. This is important. Hold on. And about what happened to it? Here we go. Better for us to realize that it's a strong weapon against our country. Come on, go back to where Jake Tapper was talking smack. Is this it? It's not a question for to Ukraine, and not only for the Ukraine, for all the uh, for all the world. I think so. The Moskva, the one that Ukrainian soldiers told to f off, um, sank. Um, the Russians say, and the Russians are liars, but the Russians say it sank on its own. Can you offer some clarity and evidence as to? See, I would kind of say it sank on its own, too, because I remember in the 90s, I was learning about the missiles that it carried and what chaffing capabilities we had for that ship. So it's like as if they're using like uh, it's the Mushfa Kata, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to think. It had a surface-to-surface 15-missile launcher uh, on it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, my memory. And um, it used infrared, had infrared capabilities. It was actually uh, quite good. Uh-huh. So it's a really, really old ship, <laughs> really old ship. So wait, that's mm, 30-year-old ship, and it sank on its own, but apparently they were like, yeah, you know, they told it to – to drown and it did, <laughs> whatever. Ah, uh, the lies, the lies. But anyway, let's go to more lies. Let's go to what really, uh, you know, this Russia thing because they always lie. They designed a poster that said uh, "Argo, a cosmic conflagration." It was when you receive one of the highest decorations in the CIA, and then it becomes so clear that you're going to have to keep it secret. Yep. No one's going to know. Years. And now 30 years later, the whole world knows. How does yeah, that feel? It's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> Our job is to keep the secrets, not give them away. We've given it away, haven't we? How are we going to get the genie back in the bottle? It was the CIA itself that let the genie out. When they celebrated their 50th anniversary, the boss wanted to make a PR splash. Mendez was ordered to go public with the story of the Canadian caper. I said, why are we, why are we going to give away our best secret? As per the phony Russia dossier, why is no one talking about Adam Waldman? His text revealed how Hollywood was right in the middle of it. This lawyer has the point of contact between Congress, Hollywood, and Christopher Steele. In fact, another movie produced about that point of contact in Congress, who also had a foundation slash company funding it. Daniel J. Jones. Daniel J. Jones is Diane Feinstein's staffer and the man 
who drafted the CIA torture documents. From a text message conversation between the United States Senator from Virginia, Mark Warner, and Hollywood lawyer, Adam Waldman. February 16, 2017, at 10.49 p.m., Senator Mark says, Have had important call about your message. We'll have to answer tomorrow. Adam responds eight minutes later. Thank you. Standing by. Just want to underscore my opinion and the reason I got involved. This guy is going to do something catastrophic for the Dems. Obama, CIA, and national security. I hope someone will consider getting him to the U.S. to ameliorate the damage. Who are they talking about? This guy is going to do something catastrophic for the Dems. Obama, CIA, and national security. Two months later, on April 10th, 2017, Adam Waldman sends a text to Senator Warner. Hi, Steele would like to get a bipartisan letter from the committee. Assange, I convinced him to make serious and important concessions, and I am discussing those with DOJ. Deripaska, willing to testify to Congress, but interested in state of play with Manafort. I will be with him next Tuesday for a week. I'm bringing Ben Stiller for the Day of Hill and administration meetings on refugee issues in May. Would you like me to bring him by your office? Senator Mark Warner responds, sure. In other words, these texts were talking about how damaging Assange was to the Democrats, to Obama, and to the CIA, and how it was very important that they bring him to the United States. And for some reason, Christopher Steele was in the middle of all of it. Lawyer Adam Waldman replies over four hours later. Mark, call me anytime you want to discuss the above three. I am glad to communicate or try to accomplish whatever you want to do. Eight days later, on April 18th, 2017, Senator Warner replies, Been off the grid for a few days. Need to get up with you this week on phone. This is treason. Treason against the people of the United States. Not only that, the Film Actors Guild, Ben Stiller, an envoy to the UN involved in steel discussions with people on the Hill. Well, in one of the episodes in this docuseries, you'll find out exactly what went on with Assange. So for all of you out there advocating for Assange, not come to the US and not be freed, as you understood from that text, it's Obama, the CIA, and the Democrats that have the problem with Assange, not the people. So that's part of the documentary. See, the documentary is shaping up to be incredible. It is going to be incredible, and it's going to show people exactly what the docu-series are doing. So for you to understand all of this that's going to be in there, to kind of show you how they use actors, then we will have one to show you exactly how Hillary Clinton and her um, actions Rico um, happened, but we have to remember Hillary can't couldn't do shit 
without Obama and cue music. So as we're putting it together, we're trying to figure out like this, there will be one episode of a docu-series. This is going to be the major overall documentary, and there will be a ton of series. So one hour that'll be just about Hillary Clinton in 2016, just Hillary Clinton and emails, just FBI, Comey, McCabe, and then some. Oh, but we're also going to have a really nice one that shows you how the FBI orchestrated the whole thing with the DNC surfer, step by step. There will be so many of those docu-series. It'll be incredible. And the cool thing is we have all the footage. So the storyline is indeed in Final Cut right now. There's maybe like 10 voiceovers that I still have to do. It is incredible. And I'm trying to figure out the date of release. See, I could probably release it next week. But then everyone's gearing up for Dinesh D'Souza's. So do I wait until May? I'm actually thinking maybe, just maybe, Oh, but the 23rd is so close. Maybe we can have a private screening. But for one thing I know is that I am going to be making it um, publicly available as well. And I'm going to... Um, I'm going to keep my mouth shut for now. How's that? <laughs> Thought about it. Shut of the mouth. All right. So let's take a listen to what else Jake Tapper wants you to know about Ukraine, which, by the way, hearing people talk as if Russia's doing all this is just beside me. First of all, look at how wrecked Zelensky looked. I don't know. Are they trying to make us feel bad? Is it just, you know, the effect they want to give? I really don't understand. But I can tell you from the people that I know in the agencies, Let's start with ends. What you're seeing on TV is not real. And the intelligence they're feeding back to celebrities, you know, pundits or whatever, is all fake. And that's because some people that a lot of people think are good people or on the right team people or not the right team people or whatever, they all just need to be smoked out. So what do you do? You feed them all the same line and you watch and see who responds. The one thing people need to understand is that smart people and people that are good and people that are focused on ensuring transparency is that they keep their enemies closer than they do their friends. For us, it is a strong weapon against our country. So it's sinking is not a tragedy for us. I want you, the rest of the people, to realize that. The less weapons the Russian Federation that attacked our country has, the better for us, the less capable they are. This is important. And about what happened to it, the history will tell. Do you have any idea how many Ukrainian soldiers or Ukrainian civilians have been killed? I know. 
I know about how many. As of now, based on the information we have, because it's very difficult to talk about civilians, since south of our country where the towns and cities are blocked, Kyrgyzstan, Berdansk, Mariupol, further east, the area to the east where, where Volnavaha is. We just don't know how many people have died in that area that is blocked. Let's take Volnavaha as, as an, an example. example. Wait a minute. Didn't we all see that video? You know, from over 10 years ago, where those areas that he just called out were the areas that were like, nah, man, we want to go with Russia. And they were like, what? You remember? <laughs> so weird. And he's so sad that the Ukrainian people that wanted to identify and be annexed, right? Because that's what we're supposed to say, right? Annex. What do we call it? We don't call the U.S. Virgin Islands annexed. What do we call them? Territories, right? Because it's America. We don't annex things. We just make them territories, right? Russia annexes. They don't territory things. All right. <laughs> but those places wanted to be territories of the Russian Federation. They said it on camera and the vice guy was like, what? What? No, like Russia bad. And they were like, nah, man. We share history. We don't want America and the European Union. Remember? Remember? But those are the ones that he's, he's like a crying vagina right now. Volnavaha, as other towns, are empty. They are all destroyed. There are no people there. So it's difficult to talk about it now. As to our military, out of the numbers we have, we think that we lost 2,500 to 3,000. In comparison with the Russian military, who lost about 19 to 20,000. That's the comparison. But we have about 10,000 injured. And it's hard to say how many will survive. I, I'm sure you have seen the video of the Ukrainian mom finding her son in a yeah. well and her sorrow, her crying, just is devastating to hear. <laughs> and you have seen a lot of videos like that. What is it like for you as the president of this country to see those videos, to hear the crying? Of the moms. This is the that's guilt. See, he's doing it to his own people. They're taking out their own people. They're starving their own people because they want to maintain. It's going to end up looking like Libya soon, where the UN is going to recognize one little portion of Ukraine is Ukraine, right? And they're going to be like, "That's Ukraine. And that's the capital, and the rest of it is taken over." You know, kind of like they did in in Libya, right? How many times have I referred to the, hey, isn't it weird that all the real leaders acknowledge uh, the General Haftar, but anyone that aligns with the UN says, nope, it's Tripoli and it's this dude <laughs> with the GNA, not the LNA, right? It's exactly what you're seeing. They're trying to hold on. He, he, you know, when you act, you have to think of feelings. This is full guilt. He knows exactly what he's doing. Shame.
It's shame. This is what is horrible. He speaks perfect English. He understands English, yet he is saying some things in Ukrainian so he can have snippets for Ukrainians to watch that have no idea what's going on in the territories that the UN will declare the legitimate Ukrainian government. See, (laughs) that's what's weird. But the thing is, the game is already over. You're just watching him make a movie, hoping that you stay in the dark long enough so they can complete what they want. Now, during this um, break, I'm going to show you two videos while you grab a cigarette or a coffee. Uh, One of them is a report, which is quite interesting, and then we'll roll into some music. So grab yourself those smokes, grab yourself wine, coffee, or whatever it may be, and enjoy this five-minute break. According to a report from both Rolling Stone, Stone and Metal Sucks, Sucks fading performer Kid, Kid Rock, Rock is opening his new shows with a video of Donald Trump exhorting those in attendance to make America rock again. Trump and the singer have had a high-profile relationship that has extended to becoming golfing buddies, which the former president mentions in his taped address that Metal Sucks called unhinged. Take a look. We have a very special announcement from the 45th president of the United States of America. Hello everyone, I love you all. I know you're having a great time at the Kid Rock concert tonight. Quite frankly, he's amazing. All of you in attendance are the true backbone of our great country. Hardworking, God-fearing, rock and roll patriots. Bob is truly one of the greatest entertainers of our time. Not the best golfer by any means. His golf game could use a little work, but a great, great entertainer, and that's why you're there. Let's all continue to love one another, fight for our God-given freedoms, and most of all, let's make America rock again. Have a wonderful time tonight. God bless you, and God bless America. Over the past year, Rock, who is perhaps Trump's biggest supporter in the music world, has been floating in the jetsam of the one-term presidency, making music that would only appeal to Trump-loving Rock fans. From his snowflake-slamming single, Don't Tell Me How to Live, to a track that incorporates the anti-Biden slogan, Let's Go Brandon, Brandon, into its chorus. In March, Rock revealed that during Trump's Damn, presidency, she sounds upset. the president... She sounds upset. Let's get into some music. The one-term presidency. and <laughs> Okay. Let's take, let's take a song break. That was so much fun to watch her just squirm like that. Let's get some Tom McDeon. Here's the problem with the country's broken Cause they minds stay closed but they mouths stay open Get attacked and we blame terrorists Go broken, we blame the price Blame racists for the racism But only if his skin is white If we don't need guns cause we can call the police We don't need fire extinguishers Call the firemen please You didn't want to build a wall and now the border is weak Your favorite actor has a gate that's like 15 feet Racism is gay if you're offended that's retarded Intolerance is great until you speak and you're a target If a white man paints his face black He's a racist piece of garbage But you put him in a dress and he's courageous and he's All these double standards, man, I'm tired of the noise. Freedom's an illusion if they censor your voice. Call a dad a deadbeat for neglecting his boys. But a mom kills a baby and you call it pro-choice. 
You act like you're so much better than us. Yeah, we know that. Who told you that you're so special? All right. Welcome back, everyone. So now we're going to take it up a notch. I want us to talk about a few things. We're going to travel back in time a little bit. But I want you to kind of think, why is it necessary that over the years, people feel like they're getting just a little bit, not enough? See, it was this uh, digital red string that drove people insane. Little here, little there, little here, little there. So all of you understand the concept of a psychological operation. Many of you believe that you fully understand it. Yet, a psychological operation, you know, is for control. But see, how do you control the masses? See, all of this information has been provided over time, even in my articles, almost like a map along with the legend. So when does a map become perfect and be seen as a guide? So the word keystone has many, 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 many meanings and has been stated in a variety of ways. But all of that is relevant. Because as you can see, the past in all my articles and statements has been completely proven by the future. And if you stand on the moon and take that greater, what is it, like 40,000 foot view, right? And you have the map and you have the legend, then you can see it too. You can see the whole picture. You can see who is controlling the information that you get. You can see who is controlling the narrative. And you can see how they siren slept you, right? They lulled you to sleep. It's almost like a spell. And they disseminated so much false information. It's important that they never thought that she would lose. That caught them by surprise. That is something they did not expect. And while Russia is an enemy, we have to remember that uh, years ago, it was Putin who said, the new world order worships Satan. So I thought I would play a clip from 2019 It was emulating if I were the devil. Enjoy. War with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. I'd allow them, for my pleasure, to cannibalize themselves. And with promises of higher ratings and more money, I'd have mesmerizing fake news media fanning the flames my news my media all my mockingbirds if i were obama i would encourage schools to refine young intellects but neglect to discipline emotions just let those run wild and until before you know it 
little boys and girls don't know if they're boys and girls. And you'll have so many confused individuals that are the future of tomorrow that is only destined to fail within a decade. I'll have every citizen to their knee. I'll have judges that promote my ideas and the ideas of one government. But first, I must evict God from the courthouse. I've succeeded in the schoolhouse. I just got rid of him in Congress. And in his own churches, I am substituting psychology for religion under the guise of liberalism. And I'm deifying science. I've already lured the priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. So if I were the devil, <clears throat> I mean Obama, I'd make symbols of all things holy into a bottle. And if I was the successor of Obama, I would take from those who have and give to those who want until I have killed every last notion of ambitiousness within the people. <laughs> what do you bet? I could get whole states to promote prostitution, pedophilia, gambling, and drug abuse as a way to get rich. I would caution against any extremism or hard work or anything that has to do with patriotism. That would be deemed immoral. I would convince the young that marriage is so old-fashioned. Swinging is more fun and abortions even much more fun. Whatever you see on TV is what you want to be. Thus, I would be able to undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cure. In other words, I'm almost done. Do you really think you can take me on? The spirit of deception is everywhere, Paul Harvey warned. ISIS, fear, COVID, fear, bankruptcy, fear, all of it, fear. But that is in Biden's America. Wake up, America. This is what Biden's America looks like. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop. And they so that was part of a video that was actually banned. <laughs> it was my rendition of Paul Harvey's If I Were the Devil. So relevant. So perfect. And it was actually replayed a few times. So now, how do they do this? Well, I'll tell you how. It's creeping socialism, right? Because what do you consider precious? You consider your life precious. God, these rubber bands are driving me insane. You consider your life precious. 
you consider your private property precious, right? It's precious. But fences of your nation and your property and your own thoughts and self, well, those are out the window. Your body is no longer yours. You have no autonomy. So whatever you consider precious, the fences and the lines defining that has completely disappeared. This is how you know you are in danger. And this is why you woke up. Because what happens is when lines and and boundaries and fences and walls disappear, suddenly you become this amorphous mass, right? Just this mass. And what happens is, is that people disappear into a mass, meaning you're only a face in the crowd of the mass. Have you ever heard of something called the human sea tactic? You guys ever heard of that? Well, it was a way that the Chinese would fight wars. They would send millions of people to war in waves of people as they die. Just masses of them, masses, a human sea, a wave of people that all wore the same uniform and all had the same goal. I mean, if they were Swiss, they'd be holding tiny knives, right? All of them uniform, coming at the enemy with the same cadence, the same step, and just hitting and hitting and hitting. And you can read about the human sea tactic in many of wars in the past. But see, your government, well, the globalists, right? Because we're not talking about Republican and Democrat anymore. Marine Le Pen said it best. It's globalists and the people. We did that too in World War I, where we just send masses and masses and they died, right? Human sea. It's a tactic. Well, we did that too. But then after World War I, they got smarter. The human sea tactic, in order to make everyone think alike, look alike, and do things that you want. They have to become amorphous. They have to have no walls, no boundaries, no anything, no control over their bodies, no control over their properties, no control over anything, not even their thoughts. So the invasion of privacy was born. And 9-11 really helped accelerate that. When your privacy is invaded, it's a form of psychological attack. This is how influence operations are done. And how do you know this? This happens in everyday life anyway. But your privacy no longer exists. I can create a profile of you on the internet so quickly that I will know every darkest fear you have, every want you need, and know what your needs are. And therefore, I did that because your privacy has been hacked. And this is how you execute an influence operation. 
This is how you get tons of people out in Oregon burning things down and half of them don't know why they're there. This is how you get people stampeding through cities and causing chaos and still don't know why they're there. They're just there. And this is easily done. And the good guys and the bad guys use the same weapon of choice. Influence operations. Influence operations are how you make the masses respond without thinking. So, you know, like for example, I get a lot of hate and I know why. Because there's programming and then there's deprogramming. Deprogramming means you give the people knowledge and they make the decision on their own and they go about trying to succeed in achieving a society that they want, where they can achieve the boundaries they want, that they can achieve the things they want. And so consider that this irregular warfare that was executed on the people of the United States was done with the purpose of creating an amorphous society, but in different factions. And say, huh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them what to think. We're going to tell a portion of these people that are motivated to do things, don't worry, sit back. There's a Gandalf in the background. It's all going well. We'll have another portion of people that are more susceptible to tell them that people are already hung and it's already done, right? And we'll just keep doing that. And there'll be people that'll do that. And then we'll have another bunch of people that say, well, we're winning, but let's go out and petition and let's stand up and give me your money and we will put this done and we will go. And then we'll have another group that'll say, well, we're more sophisticated. So we will have dinners and events and you will all sit down and listen to us tell you how terrible everything is and how we're all discussing. But we're not really going to give you solutions. We're going to give you demi-solutions, right? But you just come and spend your money and, and we'll do this. And then there's another faction of people that will sit there and, you know, tell you things. And because look at me, I'm on TV and my name is XYZ and I know what I'm talking about. And this is happening. And, and what? And the solution is, and, well, it's coming. See? This is everything that's happening. And then you have people like me that aren't many <laughs> that tell you don't listen to any of them. Listen to yourself. That says, let's, let's just look at what's really going on and let's have some fun doing it. And then let's see how we can organize together. If you agree, you don't have to and fuck shit up. And that's the way we do it. It's really sad. The first thing I've ever said was don't even trust me. Most of the articles I write, you probably wouldn't even be able to decipher. Like I had Hunter Biden's emails there for two years and no one saw it. I know the right people did. And now you're hearing about Hunter Biden and all these people. You think John Solomon or Jack Posobiec or all these people didn't have access? Of course they did. They just didn't want to do it because they were told, hold, hold, we're going to control the message because we have a plan. Fuck your plan. See, while you have a plan, so do they. And while they have a plan, so do you. It's plan and counter plan, plan and counter plan. <laughs> 
in times like this, you don't use their plans. You don't do what they expect you to do. See, everyone believe that, um, you know, cases against voter fraud or, you know, going after this and showing evidence would make things move faster. And they say, you know, um, oh, yeah, we have all this and we're going to and people don't move on it. But, you know, it could come out of something stupid like, you know, a property case, IRS, defamation. And that's where the real hard evidence comes out. That's where you can't look away, right? Because the other one, they expect it. Those ways, you drag everything out into the light. You want to find out what happened in J6? You don't talk about J6. You get some property claim in, you know, sue for some property damage or, you know, sue because, or, or the IRS comes after you or, you know, hey, you defame me, let's go. That's how you pull information out. That's how you do it. You don't follow their rules. You make your own and you're like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go this way. Right. I'm going to go this way because everyone's going that way. Oh, this is, this is, this is it. I remember sitting in DC, you, you know, Lieutenant Scott Bennett brought forward that AFL CIO document and, um, from his own whistleblower, right. And gave it to Millie. And when we were looking at it, I remember I was sitting at a table with a bunch of people in November. Seth Cashel was right across from me. Joe Flynn was, Patrick Byrne was, all of them. And you've heard Patrick say this too. And I said, this is where you are on their plan. And this is what you're saying you're doing next. And it's on their freaking plan from September. Why are you following their plan? This is the wrong way, but that's the right way. You're doing it wrong because they already know you're going to do it. So they've mitigated it. So why don't you do something different? Well, I'll tell you what, through conversations that I've had, there are a lot of people that say that, well, there's a plan and people are doing it. And you saw Garrett Ziegler's message that was sent out. Just leave it to the big boys. We're going to do it the right way, you know, on their time when they feel that the time to strike is then. But if any of them actually knew game theory and understood actual war strategy, war strategy that has been studied over the years that has never seemed to fail, Things like Strahd's secret technique or Alexander the Great was that they never did exactly what was the proper way of doing things. Have you ever heard of the draconian laws? Yeah. See, when people would target those, the only reason that they, that that, that law, Dracon's law, was actually brought down was because someone thought outside of the box to take it down. And this is how we have to operate. And the problem is we have people that are either too proud to suck it up and team up and work. We have people that want absolute control. Because if you control the method of the war, then you control the outcome and then therefore control your troops or AKA the people. Yet, if you go in irregularly and if you go in methodically irregularly, then you win because you do things they do not expect. It's just simple. It's not that complicated. People need to be doing, to stop doing things that ruin their life. There's something in everybody's life that can be done 
that you can stop, right? That makes your life easier. You know what's bad for you, right? I know what's bad for me sitting in a damn chair on the computer 24-7. I know what's bad for me. I know exactly what's bad for me. And yet I can stop it, right? But we presume that there's other things that, you know, are there. You, you know, you, it's, it's, it's so, uh, you're doing X, Y, like I'm sitting in the chair in front of the computer for 10 hours straight and might not get up because I'm doing it for this reason. I give excuses as to why I'm doing something that's bad because I know it's not in my better interest, but I'm still doing it. And I know I should stop, but I still do it. And it's self-evident, right? And that's the problem. We're voluntarily allowing ourselves to do things that we know are not in our best interest at all. And then one might think, okay, I know this. Well, how do you convince people that are going against their own best interest, which is to win their state back, to win their country back, to win their community back, to win their power back that they've lost before they were even born? And recreate the United States the way it was intended to be. How do you convince them? So, you know, people tell you, well, in order to convince them, we have to look for a need to solve. We all know what this fucking need is. So if they're not seeing it, they're not on our team. So then what we have to do is offer them rewards. What's the reward? The reward is you probably won't be in a FEMA camp. You probably won't be turned into um, goo. <laughs> what is it? Fertilizer that they're turning human remains into fertilizer. Remember? Said that a while back, right? They made legislation for that. Okay? They, they don't just waste their time on legislation to make human remains into fertilizer if they don't intend to use it. But let's move along, right? Nothing to see here. So that is your reward that you might be able to enjoy life as a free person or you can end up being fertilizer. And, the, you know, the other point that you would do to convince someone to do something or join you is to create urgency and scarcity. Well, dude, gas, we can't afford food, gas, we can't do any of that. Yet, why aren't you joining, right? Listen, this is really, really important. And then it's choosing the right time of telling them, hey, you need to join our team. Like, hey, hey, Red Stringer, drop the Red String and let's join. Let's let's join forces. Let's go forward. Let's win this country back. Forget who it is and what it is. Let's just move forward, please. You have to find the right time. When is the right time? Huh? When is the right time? When we're all sitting in a room and we see someone, we're like, damn, you're in the room too? Yep, know where I'm going. I'll be some really good fertilizer. <laughs> I'll be the, the what? <laughs> Jill be tuna, I'll be Toro tuna fertilizer. So what do you do? You want to get to know what they want? Here's where the problem is. In order to convince these idiots, <laughs> and some people that I know, <laughs> Jesus. I can't believe I'm saying this. God forgive me. In order to convince people, you have to find out what they want. It's like trying to sell them a car. Hey, want to help me so we can fight? Hmm? Want to help me so we can win our nation back? Hmm? Want to help me? All right. Well, guess what they want? They want money. They want a title and a tiara. I did this. 
I'm the best decoder. I'm the best this. Buy my t-shirt. Give me some money. Because I'm cool. And I look great. Right? I don't want to work. I just want to look great. And I'm going to give you great graphics on TV. Look, follow my string. Right? And that's where we hit the, the problem. Like what's in it for them? No matter how much you affirm your intentions with them, which is key when collaborating with people and making them clear, hey, our goal is to win. Our goal is to do this. Let's all work together. The problem that we stick on is what they want. It's what they want. And that is the problem, what they want. And the greed and the need to be important. See, they equate being important to money. And that's what sucks. Because I've been doing (laughs) all these shows on my own forever and a day. And writing for myself, no one was paying me. Google pays me like, what, $100 in ads (laughs) a month? And I was actually giving that to someone named Haley Kennington because nobody would hire her because she plagiarized. But turned out I I fell for that. I fell for that. Mm. So. And then suddenly I'm monetizing and I still can't keep my money. (laughs) I'm monetizing them, but it doesn't matter. I don't need anything but my rent, my food, and my stomach. And I have more than enough to do the things I need, right? Even though I spend it all, I'm fine, right? I'm totally fine because that's exactly what I need. And see, if other people thought the same way, if they had faith that whatever comes in will be just enough, For them to keep going. The universe, God, always takes care of you. Always. Because it is important in basis of your intention. Intention drives everything. Your intention will be the crux of it, basically. Intention. If you do something that's amazing, but you're doing it with the wrong intentions, you will look ugly. No one will want to listen to you. And people will say, I don't know. That person doesn't sit right with me. I'm going to look the other way. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not buying what you're selling. Because intention resonates a frequency. It's almost like um, music. Frequencies. That's how your ears hear. Sound goes in and vibrates and your cochlea tickles with the little hairs in there. And it's interpreted by the brain. Some frequencies make you screech. Some make your hair stand up. That's how it is. You must have faith. And have good intentions behind it. You step on people, you will be stepped on even if you try to be nice because you're only trying to be nice so that you can step on someone again. If you make a career out of hate, 
You may be riding a wave just so that it can crash. See, there are a lot of people I see because I follow a lot of people. I watch their work. I watch what they do. And I, and I see the people and how they respond to what they say and do. And I'll tell you, I'm sitting in the middle of all of it from media, mainstream media, right media, and public figures that played a role. I see it all the time. You know, people want me to comment on other people's work. I'm not going to do that. I speak to my own work. I don't do secondhand. People are like, how do you hang out with like Patrick Byrne? He's with General Flint and Joe Flint and all these people. And yet you support Lynn Wood. So I could do that. Why can't I? Why can't I? Well, I don't like that guy. Okay, that's okay. Do you know how many people told me to stop hanging out with Patrick Berge? Tons. He rubs me the wrong way. Don't bring him into any meetings. I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't want to see that guy. Still hung out with him. Still had him near me. There's always a reason for everything, right? But the one thing that we need to learn in life is to be objective and to pay attention to our guts. Your gut tells you what to do. Tori, you're so dumb. You had Patrick Berge all over. Yeah, had him in my house. I fed him. I supported him. I gave him love. I gave him affection. And the minute I stopped giving him money, the minute I stopped promoting him, his frequency changed. And so did mine. You always have to sit down and eat with your Judases. Because the one thing about redemption is you can, how's this? The world give, you get from the world what you give. They call it karma. But believe it or not, God has a funny way of forgiving on his own. You don't have to get everything you put out. And that's a fact. So to all those people out there in the media that are coming back after hiatus, Due to your inexplicable inactivity and reactivation, because you're going to promise to be a good boy now, per se. It's important to remember that the people now are more bushy-tailed and bright-eyed. And they can see right through you. And it'll be really important for you to understand that as time goes on, and I can assure you on this, guys, by the time we get to October of this year, the mainstream media will no longer be something that people will be thirsty for. You know, I see that all the time. People are so damn thirsty. 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 You know, they see someone, they're like, oh my God, I like, you know. (laughs) Okay. My God, I should say this. I totally forgot about this. Oh dear. I can't believe I forgot about this. Okay, so check this out. Oh my gosh, this was hilarious. So, (laughs) all right. So, you know how I was like super late on um, 
my flight was super late yesterday. It was very um, toiling. It was super long. And then by the time I got back, it, of course, it parked at the farthest exit ever, you know. But anyway, when I um, got down, I, I saw people, you know, surrounding um, two people. And they were like, oh, my God, right? So I'm just watching them because I usually go get my car before they let the suitcases out. So I'm watching this and I'm like, this is the, and, and then, you know, they get on the elevator to go up to the garage where I was going. And I was like, well, who's that? And it was like, I don't even remember who they said. Some freaking local, I don't know, somebody. And I, and I was like, Oh, you're like a fan or something. And, they were like, nah, he's a bit of an ass, but it's pretty cool to say you took a picture of him. And you know, it struck me odd, right? It totally struck me odd. Like, why would you even fanboy over something that you, or someone that you think is an idiot? And why is it special to have, you know, a picture with someone that's an idiot? Like, it doesn't make sense. And I, and, and, and the guy, I was like, well, why would you do that? Like, why is it special? Oh, cause they're famous. And I was like, so you're famous too. No, they're like, no, I'm not famous. Why not? Why aren't you famous? Cause you know, nobody knows me and you wouldn't know him if he wasn't an asshole. Right. And you wouldn't know him if he wasn't on your TV. So importance is based on the fact that you're on TV. Well, isn't it? No, it's not. It's what you do, you know, to your neighbor and the people around you. And he's like, oh, that sounds kind of kumbaya. I said, well, <laughs> that's actually the fact. That's how you become famous within your household, within your community, because you interact with people and they like you. And that's how you grow grassroots. Not because somebody paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to put your face on camera and then off camera, you're a complete asshole, right? And so that is where the problem lies, that people are thirsty and they think that someone's really important because they were on TV. Guys, you're just as important. Every one of you that have been doing things within your community is just as famous, just as important as anybody, right? I know from thousands of people that I've met that are my listeners, we're like family. I could just sit there and be like, oh, hey, you know, you know, like other people where they like pretend to be interested and say, yeah, well, you know, I'm busy. I got to go. Right. We sit there. We shoot the shit. You know, we hug because we are family. That's the way society works. So every single person that I met is famous. Every single person that I meet is famous. They're famous to me. So we need to start redefining what's important to us. Because if we don't redefine what's important to us and recreate those boundaries and redefine these things, then, you know, whatever. Yeah, I I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't know how else to say it. Maybe I'll start doing mask less. <laughs> All of you should like be posting videos. How to eat with your mask on the plane. Step one, take it off. Step two, put a round chip in your mouth, just enough to hold it in. And then whenever someone passes by, pretend you're munching. End. Um, anyway, 
because someone said you should do videos on Food Network. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want you guys to understand that because it's simple psychological warfare. So in order to deconstruct that construct and idea that they've given you is to redefine how you see things, see things, how, um, see things, how you, how they should be and how you're the most important. Stop doing things that are stupid and you know ruin your life, right? This is it. You have to be more efficient with your feelings and your attention. And I'll show you something. I found this video. This guy named Adam Ruins Everything. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of his videos. So I saw this on True TV and it's pretty funny. The entire show was built around the idea that if you try to prove someone wrong, it often backfires. And this is a premise that people forget. And it's one of the most valuable weapons there are. Take a listen. Entire show is built around the idea that if you present someone with better information, you can change their mind. But the surprising truth is disproving a misconception can actually strengthen a person's belief in that misconception. It's called the backfire effect. The more you prove someone wrong, the more they think they're right. That can't be true. I change people's minds every day. You just proved my point. I presented you with information that goes against your thinking and you just dug right into your beliefs. One study found that when people concerned about side effects of the flu shot were informed it was safe, they actually became less willing to get it. But that's so illogical. How is that possible? Because when you try to change someone's mind, the other person often feels attacked. Being proven wrong actually activates the same area of the brain as real physical pain. World star. Stay with me, kid. Her right hook will hurt you, but her right facts will too. Being proven wrong hurts so much, it often causes a fight or flight response. I gotta get out of here. Nope. You need to hear this. Why am I reacting like this? Normally, I love learning new things. Simple. You're protecting your identity. It's called identity protective cognition. Oh, so there was a double meaning in that one, wasn't it? So here's the problem that a lot of people have with people that present real information, right? So people say that, nope, this is it. Like, you know, could you imagine if... You know, obviously they know, and this is why it's quiet. Could you imagine if they find out that the people that they were thumping or whatever idea they were thumping were actually the people trying to cause them harm? It would destroy them. So anyone pointing out saying, hey, why don't you just like trust your gut and just not listen to anything and or, or not, not listen to just listen to everything and draw your own conclusion. Nope, you can't be right because this person is good. And that person is bad. And yes, you're just like, okay, well, what does your gut say? None of your business. That person is good. This is bad. And I'm waiting for the next drop. Well, how do you know? How do you know where it's coming from or who's saying or what's doing? I mean, what if it was like, you know, hijacked because there's so many voices and it was so weird and it said things and it's like, what? It's okay. I'm right because everybody else says that I'm right and shut up. 
when someone is wrong, they dig their heels in. When someone is threatened, when they're called out to what they really are or where they stand, they feel threatened and they dig their heels in. It's called self-destruction, right? It is self-destruction. And see, it's a tactic used by your body to defend its reality. It shatters your reality, literally. Could you imagine, like, I'm, you know, how about all those people? How do you think the black population, they all start, oh, man, he's like breaking glass ceilings, first (laughs) African-American. That's a question. (laughs) Uh, The American part. Uh, (laughs) You know, president and, you know, setting the bar and and he's gonna and he said he's gonna and then he doesn't do it. And then he doesn't do it the next year or the next year. And he's just really fucking shit up completely. He's, But then there's still people. There's like, you better not talk about Obama. But what did he do for you? Yeah, shut up. He was the first black president. That's all. And you say something and you're just like, uh, but gas was $5 a gallon under Obama at some points. Yeah, well, he was the first black president. And it's like, um, but he did. And the only way, the only, yeah, wait till you tell him that, you know, he likes boys. That'll drive him nuts. Even if a guy literally said, I was doing blow and giving palatio to Obama in the back of the limo, he came out and testified, yep, not listening, la, 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 la. You know, fingers and ears, not listening. This is exactly what's happening across America for everything. I don't want to listen, not listening, not listening. It's 5D chess, not listening. It's 20D chess, not listening. Uh, You know, look at us. Not listening, he's good. Not listening, he's bad, right? And that's so terrible because there's so many faction of theories that people go, oh, but we the, the vaccine this, the vaccine that, the water this, the water that. Here's what you buy, buy this health book. Look at this, do that, upside down, inside out. There you go. And then you're just like, okay, so which group do I subscribe to? The one that doesn't make you feel like you just lost your mind. And that's normal. That is how we place our own blinders on our own eyes in our own ears so we can't pay attention to what's really happening. For example, let's see this video. And now I want to then see the chat where you guys will tell me in this video where Joe Biden is shaking someone's hand that doesn't exist what you believe is happening or how's better yet why don't you tell me what people told you america god bless you all let's watch that again and while we're watching it i'll look for the comments on rumble to see what you say other people said happened there america that was interesting so let me just keep looking at the chat because i know there's a delay on rumble so for anyone that actually i i you know i love to take jabs at joe biden Right. It's it's one thing. And and I shouldn't because, you know, it's geriatric abuse. Right. It's it's not good. But he's not attempting to shake hands with anyone. If you've seen him in previous, um, you know, um, uh, things that he goes to his hand, he keeps it like that when he's talking to someone. He didn't put out the hand to handshake. He's like, hey, are you coming on? Like, what are we doing? And then the guy's like, hey, just go that way. He was talking to someone. 
And so he walked over and he waited for that someone. And he probably was confused thinking that someone else was coming on. So he's like, all right, so no one's coming. I'll I'll just move. That is exactly it. He wasn't, uh, you know, shaking someone's hand. You've seen him when he speaks to people that he does a hand like that. So again, we love, we love to take jabs at people we don't like. And we love to say things that aren't good about it, right? I do. I find pleasure in showing what a clown show it is. But, you know, it's like I'm making a hole in a boat that I'm at. You know, it's sinking faster every time I put a hole in it, right? <laughs> it does. It does. So I just wanted to point that out. But um, I wanted to end today with Strahd's arsenal of uh, psychological warfare. And the reason I wanted to share this is because many people who thought they were doing good were actually participating and encouraging this type of warfare against the people. And these were people that believed they were doing good. And what happens is, what do they want? Obviously, they want to keep doing good. Obviously, they want to keep making contact. And obviously, they felt important, right? But what they didn't know is that they were actually executing secret techniques. Warfare itself. We're going to be talking about how you can can use use it in your Curse of Strahd game to really mess with your players and give them hell. Dungeons and Dragons is full of enemies that will pummel your characters into dust. They carry big swords, they cast powerful spells, or they just hit really freaking hard. But draining hit points isn't the only way to harm a character. Harm can take lots of forms, and rare is the enemy that assaults your party's minds and morale. One such enemy, though, is the big bad vampire himself, Strahd Von Zarovich. Strahd is famous for screwing with characters as soon as they enter his realm. Mind games, intimidation, impersonation, and other tricks. He's a warlord that's gone from conducting conventional warfare against nations to conducting psychological warfare against groups of adventurers. But what is psychological warfare anyways. It's a way of indirectly assaulting your enemy's emotions and morale in order to make them less effective in combat or to make them more receptive to your goals and your agendas. It's a pretty big umbrella that covers a wide variety of actions and it is as old as war itself. So let's go ahead and dive in and take a look at how Strahd and you as the Dungeon Master can use psychological warfare against your party of brave adventurers. Propaganda is the most widespread and widely known form of psychological warfare. From leaflets dropped over wartime Germany to Facebook memes that your slightly racist uncle can't help but share, propaganda is used to influence opinions, sway elections, cover up or downplay bad deeds, and a whole bunch of other nasty stuff just to name a few things. In Barovia, propaganda can help shape your party's opinions of Strahd early on in the campaign, especially if none of them have played Curse of Strahd before. Now, Strahd isn't the kind of guy who cares much about the public opinion, so you aren't going to see patriotic posters of him leading the people of Barovia into a new dawn. Barovia's bad, but it's no North Korea. What he does care about, though, is that his people stay in line and give him the proper amount of fear and respect. It's the sort of thing that, you know, helps them pay their taxes on time. 
but it's a lot of hard work to go out every night and terrorize the peasants by hand. Instead, Strahd has built a reputation that does all the work for him. He's done things that have left the peasantry, telling stories of his deeds, good and bad, throughout the generations. Stories that your party will hear shortly after they arrive. Aye, the Burgomaster was holding back coin from the taxes he owed, and the devil Strahd lopped his head clean off in front of his family in the whole town. They say he flooded the whole village, washed it right off the map. Poppycock, it was a landslide. Nay, my great-great-grandfather's cousin's best friend was there. Saw it with his own eyes. Tore the bandits apart limb from limb. Ended up getting my horses back thanks to him. Oh, praise the morning lord for Stronzarevich. And on and on. These stories help keep the peasantry in line and set your party's expectations. They get an idea of what the big bad can, will, and has done. And with a few tales of good deeds in there, they can learn that Strahd may not be such a bad guy. Maybe they can work with him. Maybe they can redeem him. <laughs> Before we get on to that next technique, though, a couple of announcements. One, I'm trying out a new lighting setup. I hope you like it. I don't know how it works, but it's October, so hey, time to try something new and spooky, right? In addition, you can get this guide and all of the other written Lunch Break Heroes guides over on Patreon for just as little as a dollar. Beautifully typeset and print-friendly. If you want to spring for another dollar, you can get the full-color PDFs ready to download and keep forever. In addition, our guide for Curse of Strahd Raising the Stakes is available on dmsguild.com. Go ahead and head over there and check it out. This is our chapter-by-chapter -chapter guide to everybody's favorite adventure module. It's what we've been building here for the last two years. With your support, we did it. So head on over to dmsguild.com and check that thing out. Next up, lunchbreakheroes.com is totally a thing. We've got articles and a store there. You can head on over and purchase the deck of many quests. This is our original product where you can... Okay, guys, I am a D&D &D fan, so I'm letting his ad run. I'll just fast forward it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I actually adore his stuff, so sorry. He has some good analyses. <laughs> Let's move it on. I'm sorry. I do like him. And sticking with it as long as you have. We here at Lunch Break Heroes have no intention of stopping or slowing down, so we want you to come with us. Now, with all of those announcements out of the way, let's get back to what you actually came here for, and that is how to screw with your players with psychological warfare. Here we go. Shock and awe is a psychological warfare technique that involves a sudden, large, and impressive display of force that is both shocking and awe-inspiring that destroys an enemy's will to fight. For modern real-life militaries, this might be a multi-day bombing campaign against an enemy city. In centuries past, it might have been launching severed heads over town walls. In Curse of Strahd, everybody's favorite vampire might shock and awe your party by having his minions set fire and slaughter civilians throughout Velaki whilst he takes a midnight stroll amongst the carnage. Or perhaps he uses his control over the weather to bring rain down upon the abbey, causing a landslide that buries half of Kresk. For more information about that particular scenario, click here. On a more intimate level, he could leverage the heart of sorrow to soak up a whole bunch of damage from the party before laughing in their faces. I mean, just imagine him snatching the sun sword right out of your paladin's hand, looking at its burning rays and saying, The sun has no power here. 
nothing's quite as shocking as believing that you can't hurt a vampire with sunlight. Beyond the intimidation factor of shock and awe is outright terror. Strahd isn't beyond horrific deeds that'll strike fear into the hearts of the characters. Already there in the module are illusions throughout Barovia that show the party members dead or dying, but we can do so much more than that. If your party ever camps out in the wilderness, have them wake up to see dead birds nailed to the trees around their campsite. If they've been getting help from the locals, see to it that those locals disappear and that word gets around. Pretty soon, no one will want to help the party out anymore. Then they'll feel stranded and hopeless and like everything's their fault, and that's just a fantastic mood to have your players in, let me tell you. Few things harm an opposing force like discord amongst their ranks. After all, if the enemy is busy fighting each other, then they aren't fighting you. And boy, does Strahd know how to turn an adventuring party against itself. It starts small, shortly after the party arrives in Barovia. If they're out camping in the wilderness, Strahd can sneak into camp with his insane stealth bonus and take an item from one party member and plant it on another. In the morning, the item is found missing and amongst the possessions of the supposed thief. Even if the adventurers brush this off as a trick of the enemy, a seed has been planted. In order to start sowing more mistrust, Strahd and his minions leave a particular party member alone. No matter what the engagement, Strahd goes to great lengths to show that that one party member is safe from his attacks. He offers no explanation beyond a small smile to them, which should leave the rest of the party perplexed as to why the vampire lord wails on them, but not on that other character. Then there's the gifts. Magic items or little trinkets for one favored party member. These little gifts are also great for scrying, so, you know, two birds with one stone there. Just imagine that he shows up, hands a gift to a party member, and says, Thank you for your service. And then disappears. Now, let's also not forget the spell Illusory Script. To recap that one for you, it's a spell where you can write a message to someone that you designate, and only they can read it. Everybody else that looks at it, except for those with true sight, the message appears garbled or in some unknown language. Just imagine walking through the halls of Castle Ravenloft and only one party member can read the graffiti on the walls. It says something like, Abandon your colleagues and you will live as we agreed. Or, Remember our deal. Or, For a good time, call Rahadin. Then you cap it all off at, at the, the dinner. dinner. After the final course, Strahd looks at the party and says, So, the key here, for those that aren't D&D people, as you saw, the psych operations had very key operations. The titles were everything. Did you miss the titles? Well, maybe we should go through those titles. Remember, the first psychological was saying, boom, and whoa. Saw a lot of that on Twitter, didn't you? Didn't you? You saw a lot of that on Twitter in 2018 and 2019, didn't you? And then you see a lot of the division, where it's something, but the plant has been seeded. And therefore, you cannot trust, you cannot see, and that person is not good for thee. See, this is how they work. Look, you get the shock and the awe. And then you plant the seeds of distrust and division, and it's game over. So one has to wonder, why was this done? This is exactly what we saw happen. 
You cluster, making it too noisy, Operation Gridlock. You elevate a few and make them key figures. You made them key figures. Remember, you're the one that elevated them. Nobody else did. They can't just climb a ladder. Yeah, people can throw a shit ton of money behind them. But unless they're offering you something, you know, <laughs> they're not important. Like, why are they? You should not be impressed. You know, um, the first time I think I texted with Patrick Byrne on a specific app, he said, oh, my gosh, your picture is exactly you. It has this cartoon figure, I forget who she is, who's got a cup of coffee in her hand and she has her eyes rolling saying, I'm not impressed, right? You do not need to feel like someone needs to impress you. Nobody should be able to impress you except your creator, right? Nothing is impressed. I mean, you know, I do find people that can do backflips and twists and, you know, walk in a bridge for a mile. Impressive. But that's not making my life better because they can hop and twist or do cartwheels or say oohs and ahs and aha and ooh, right? That's not important. That's really not important. It's not amazing. You make them important. You have that power of making them important. Now, at this point, with the oohs and the ahs, you're distracted. You've been completely distracted. You're more in, 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 you know, concerned as to who's good, who's bad, who do I trust, who can't I trust? No, stop. Nobody cares. Trust yourself. Trust your gut. And you put one foot in front of the other and that's it. Okay. And that's all. That's all you need to know. That is it. You need to know. Okay. That's it. You need to know. No oohs and ahs, no boom and look. And let me draw this string from here and there. And keep in mind, I'm not saying none of that is true. Okay. I'm not saying that everything they tell you is not true. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying, don't trust anyone. <laughs> not anyone. Not even me. I say it all the time. Don't trust me. Trust your God. I mean, it's like so bad. And this division is so high school. And it's all about, I'm important. I did that. And it's like, nobody cares. When you did it, it didn't do anything. So now let's use it in the right way. Can we all just pull it together? Like, Put all our little axes and little knives and information in one pool and make it cohesive and then smack them with a two by four across the face with we the people. I mean, why can't we do that? That's all we need to do. Why can't we do that? That's all. You need to trust yourself and people need to start joining information together. This division is so stupid. Everyone's been completely mind fornicated, right? Your mind has been fornicated. And you know, psychological warfare is how they scared away the German Nazis too. And now they're telling you, don't worry, we'll bring back Twitter. See why they're doing it? They want to give you a win so they can pull you back in so you can make them important. Uh, and Elon, I know, is doing what he's doing the way he's doing it and and more power to you elon i i love his mind 
Maybe not all his intent. You know, I don't know. Not all his intentions. Not all. But you know what I think we should do? I maybe I should start. Um, <laughs> maybe I should start talking about really old history, and we'll do that in the in the next few weeks. Um, I'll I'll put together some stuff. And um, I'll let you guys know when this documentary is going, because right now I have a lot to do. This, um, I wanted to say before I end tonight, I have a friend who is, you know, a high ranking officer. She is like, like we used to joke years ago, we're going to leave our husbands and run away to Montana and just, you know, stay on an off-grid place. Um, she was always there. Our girls always loved to hang out with each other. More like, you know, you know, teenage girls. And um, they really got along, and she was a really good friend. And when my life crumbled, my friend had to... Um, go for training to Korea. So she was gone. She was not with me. And um, actually when it happened, she was packing for it. And that's the last thing. And, you know, she is the best. And about a year ago, when all this VAC stuff started, you know, we were talking just like I am with other family that are going through this. Some of them are just, you know, uh, you know, non-commissioned officers. Some of them are, you know, privates. Others are high-ranking officers. And um, she was like, what do I do? She's not, she's not a nobody. I've spoken about my friend before. She's that Lieutenant Colonel. <laughs> I didn't even go to her pinning ceremony. And I felt so horrible that I didn't go, but she gets it. Um, she, you know, was going through the whole not taking the vaccine thing. And she stuck to it. She's, you know, a Christian. Um, and she's the only one that I didn't have to hold a hand. Like, hey, maybe you need to, like, look at this and hear some information. It was only because she's smart, right? She's, she's a PhD, right? She's smart. And everything was done the way she should, following the rules, following the law. The one thing I don't know if I told you guys is the demeaning process that our men and women in uniform had to undergo to refuse of this vaccine. And that process was making them go through psychological evaluations. They literally psychologically evaluated people that refused to take the vaccine. They had them meet with chaplains that were Christian and they were trying to convince them that having aborted fetal cells is okay, right? And then psychological evaluations to say that, oh, maybe you're nuts now, you know, 25 years in, you know, because you don't want to take the vaccine. And she was not, she did not have informed consent. She now pays attention to, you know, the contents. And I found it disgusting that the military would humiliate their members and have them beg to have their rights as military members.
to be upheld. See, when a Muslim uh, joins the military, they will never be forced to wear to, to eat pork. Yes, they can't wear a hijab. Yes, they can't wear a turban, right? Because that's about uniform. But when it comes to their religion, you will not force them to have pork products. You will make sure that they have it. You will make sure that they have a prayer room, right? And even whatever religion you are, there is a chaplain because they acknowledge religious rights. Yet, you will not force a Muslim to eat pork, but you will force a Christian to intake a, an aborted fetal cell. See, this is a problem. And so my friend finally got her notification. So last night when I was on that plane, um, was I waiting for the plane seat? The whole day is like a blur. I think I spent too much time on the luggage scale smoking cigarettes. But she, um, she got a letter, which was her religious assessment review. And her general declined her religious exemption because she refused to take any vaccine that had aborted fetal cells going forward. And so she has an option. One, resign. Two, appeal it. Or three, get vaxxed. So uh, obviously she should appeal it. But guess what? The general wrote the letter on April 12th. Her commander handed it down to her on April 14th. It's now April 15th. That means, right, that on Easter Sunday, she needs to respond on Easter Sunday, right? Easter Sunday, she needs to respond with her appeal. And so... Here's what we're doing, and I'll do a show about this next week. I have been reaching out to a lot of people. A case like this is the right case. It has a great chain of custody. It has very good documentation. It's not at the early stages, and it is being done by someone who has over 20 years in service. This is that case. See, you can have 20 cases, but only one will be at the right time, with the right information, with the right story, with the right everything to be filed at the right moment. And this is the case. And so, obviously, I've been speaking at length with Russell. Russell spoke at length. He is so fired up that he finished his day at the office and he went and got himself a bunch of Red Bulls. <laughs> and he's because he has not only that appeal to work on, but he asked also to respond to my case with Dominion and also my filing um, in the state of Ohio. So he is so overworked. <clears throat> so I've reached out um, to a lot of people to um, see how we can have the correct infrastructure because this will bring it home. This is going to be done perfectly. And so um, <clears throat> I will see, uh, Russell will assess the situation. Uh, together, we discovered where we, what state we need to file it, obviously, where the commander is. And... Um, uh, the, where the commander is located is where we are going to file it in a federal court. Uh, so not just the appeal letter. 
And so um, I am working with a lot of people and I might even, you know, um, ask someone <laughs> in a very compromised position, like, you know, a compromised position, meaning on air, um, if they would assist because we need infrastructure, we need bodies, we need a lot of paralegals, we need a lot of, because this will bring it home for our troops. If anyone should be allowed the right to be able to exercise their religious you know, freedoms is, <laughs> are actually the people that have been serving us. And so um, he's working on just the letter and we're going to organize it because we have to see, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, a lot of time and costly. So I'm trying to see how we can make it work um, and who we can partner with uh, because it is a lot of work. This isn't just, um, you know, uh, we're going to set it up. We're going to see who we're going to be working with. You guys know how I am about this. Um, this is the case. There were so many cases that happened and so many, but this will be the defining case. And so I will let you know, just stand fast and pray. All right. And pray because we have been on the phone nonstop. So I will tell you how you can help. Once we figure out all the ins and outs, but as I noticed, um, this is that case. There have been so many cases, but this is actually the case. It's the right circuit, the right case, because this is where it comes down to it. I tell you, when, when I lay it out for you next week, you're going to see just how perfect it is. So for those of you that it's Good Friday today for you, have a happy and healthy Easter. Um, spend it with your loved ones. Enjoy your times, your Easter egg hunts and everything. And I am so excited and I can't wait to kind of lay it out for you because you guys have seen the lawfare we've partook in and how it's been done. But it's always about firing that right shot at the right time, at the right place, with the right backwind, everything, right? You get what I'm saying? You can have, and then not only that, now we got a Trijicon scope, which is Russell, to kind of place it on. So I'm really excited. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And I'm also praying for my friend because she is the best thing ever. Like I already told <laughs> Russell, hey, if you're going to go there, like, um, and I know you're, he's going to have to go out there and see her. I'm totally going with her. So if I do totally go out with her, I haven't been to that state yet to see people that are listeners. Um I'll make that happen for sure because um, I can't wait to see all of you. But um, I just wanted to tell you guys that uh, justice comes in on a donkey um, uh, for, for my friend, the Lieutenant Colonel. She celebrates Easter this weekend. I celebrate Easter next weekend. Um, I know that she's probably in church now. She was always going to the services, um, even though we did it at different times, right? Um, but I'm so glad because the minute she sent me the text, and I remember when she was going through this, I told her a year ago, I was like, hey, all of America has got your back. Do not worry. All of America has got your back. You fight the right way. Document, fight, fight, stay within the boundaries. We talked about a few things, how she responded, what she said, how she did it. And it's all about how you get to the end point. 
and they have no idea the army that is behind her. And that army is we the people. And we will not let a four-star general that's super woke take the rights away from our men and women in uniform ever. If they can identify as furniture, if they can change their sex, and if they can, you know, do things like, you know, give some religious liberties, but not others, they've got to start explaining. And this is how it happens. So um, it was it was uh, with a heavy heart that she received that document. You know, when Harar came in immediately, she was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And I said, girl, America's got your back. And I already know the whole process, how it went out. She was thorough. She documented and she did it right. So that way we can actually put it together. Um, so more on that next week. Stand fast. Pray for Russell because he has a lot of paperwork to do this weekend and it's Easter. So um, God bless all of you. Um, for the past like 30 minutes, I can't see any of my chat. Um, but God bless all of you. Um, have a fantastic Good Friday. Oh, and speaking of Good Friday, where is it? Here. Remember um, what it was um, that happened, right? It happened actually on Thursday, but people say, you know, it's Good Friday, remembering. Remember, according to scripture, it was on Thursday that this happened. I don't know what you have said to be put here. I know little of your teachings. I don't know why they treat you like this when you remain in silence. I only know you are innocent. I am not. You are the Messiah. Prove it to us. Save yourself and us right now. Benjamin, do you not fear God when you are sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crime. But this man has not done anything wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Paradise? Paradise? You know what he has done. He drags others to iniquity and violence. He is a vile man. Don't you know who you are talking to? Don't you know who you are talking to? Yes. Yes. And that, my friends, is how you redeem your soul. Because God knows every single one of us. He knows every facet, every lie, every crime you make. But he also knows your heart. And when you truly want to redeem yourself, he will never, ever let you fail. So on that note, have fun. Enjoy yourselves. For those of you that are meeting with family, enjoy it. God bless. We will not comply with the institutions. Sick illusion. No, it won't be televised. Welcome to the revolution. We will not comply with the 
Won't be televised, government been telling lies If you're not with us, you better step aside Witnessing the genocide, everything is centralized The food that we consume and they spraying it all with pesticides Easily identify the sheep and the snake The real and the fake, giving us a reason to pray I'ma make my own choices, a voice for the voiceless They trying to destroy us, avoiding the poison It's all pointless if you don't have a purpose If you read the verses, you'll know who we versing Government can tell you what your worth is Look deeper than the surface They don't even want you researching Or asking questions, we all being tested Shh. Shut your mouth, they comply, that's the message Want you to rest on prescriptions that mess with your head Got you stressing, suppressing expression We will not comply With the institution's sick illusion No, it won't be terrifying